Welcome to The Golden Shadow. My name is Elsa Polizzi. And I'm Aaron Rogerson. Today we're exploring the concept of projection. Now, the connotation of this word is often negative, represents the psychological implications of not owning one's own inner material and then throwing it out into the world, resulting often in interpersonal issues, social conflicts, and the worship of collective figures. But projection has a lot more complexity than that. Is a natural psychic function without which we would not be able to operate in the world. So I think it'd be helpful for us to start at the foundation, um, look at the evolution of projection. Reality actually is a projection. Mm. And that is kind of a big statement. And it also depends what you mean by reality. Depends what you mean what you mean by projection. Mm. It's always what do these words really mean? <laughs> but we th- tend to think that the world that we see around us, the world that we feel, the world that we hear is in some sense objective. The desk is just there, mm. obviously. The wall is there, yeah. obviously. Alyssa is sitting in front of me, obviously. This is all just sort of objectively there. And there's kind of this perception that we simply turn on our eyes and we see what is there. We see the world. Yeah, like, look at that. Look objectively. Right. Look outside of yourself. Right. And this is tough because there is an objective world, but we're not fully in touch with it. We have a subjective experience and everyone has their own subjective experience. And so when we are, when we're using the word subjective, we are referring in a sense to your projection. Your world is projected onto the Mm. quote unquote real landscape. Yeah. You see a desk, but it's your projection of the desk. You see the wall, but it's your projection of the wall. Mm. Alyssa sees me, but I am her projection (laughs) to her. And this is strange. It's kind of abstract. Mm. But the deeper we get into this idea, the more we realize that we actually kind of understand this. Yeah. Projection really is this extremely general fundamental mechanism And by its nature, we recognize that nothing can truly be objective, that there's always going to be this kind of coloring Mm -hmm. of projective information, associations, um, unconscious material that's getting um, kind of combined and woven in with the external stimuli. Right. So you go into a room and you say, oh, the room is yellow. And you think that's an objective statement, but Mm -hmm. the color itself the way I perceive it might be different than the way you perceive it. Right. Maybe I feel sense of happiness and joy by coming in and you start to feel kind of sense of like unease, like mm-hmm. what's going on when that happens. We're, we're both taking in a quote unquote external stimuli and some objective um, item um, right. information. And yet things shift and change in the process of taking it in and then putting it back out into the world. Right, and we don't want to get too technical here and lose our listeners Mm -hmm. within the first two minutes, which is probably what usually happens anyways. But um, (laughs) we have this notion of phenomena, Mm. phenomenology. Mm. It's sort of tapping in this idea that reality is made up of phenomena, and those are based on what Kant said word, Mm. noumena, Mm -hmm. which is like what's actually there. So there's something that's actually there, Mm. but... We don't see the noumena, we see our interpretation, mm. which is phenomena. So yellow, as mm. you just said, yeah. is the wall painted yellow? 
yes and no. Mm-hmm. Objectively, whatever that means, quote unquote, colors don't really exist. Yeah. A color is an experience. A color yeah, is a yeah, yeah. qualia, similar word that's thrown around a lot. But um, you, your brain interprets the information coming through from the wall and it says, that is yellow. Mm. And the yellow exists as a projection. You're projecting yellow mm. into your reality. And other people are projecting probably something very similar to yellow, yeah. but you're, it's not clear. Maybe mm. it's like the way you see yellow might be a little different intent than the way I see yellow, mm. um, which is different than the way that a dog sees yellow, uh, which is different than the way a bat sees yellow. Yeah. And what is it like to be a bat? Um, we don't know. <laughs> And that's like the subjectivity is what starts to really mess with your mind and be like, whoa, what, wait a second. Like, what is real? What is reality? Oh, that guy. <laughs> and like reality starts to collapse when you start to think about this. Yeah. Um, there but were... it's what's true mm. and it's important to embrace it mm. without uh, losing your mind and saying, well, like, well, nothing's real anymore. It's like, okay, hold your horses there. <laughs> so we're all sort of seeing arguably the same thing, quote unquote, but the interpretation is different. Um, the unconscious con- uh, connections that are being constellated are different. The flavoring mm-hmm. is different. That shifting of reality to your perception. So when I was thinking about this concept, a few ideas kind of came to mind. Yeah. So I don't know if these work, but the first thing that came to mind was like the gorilla suit experiment. Yeah. How like there's this, uh, and if anyone hasn't, watch this video before i believe like people are playing basketball or something and yeah, you you're supposed to yeah, there's, there's a video of it yeah you're supposed to watch and like count something like the number of people wearing like white jerseys or mm-hmm. it's something like that like there's a there are people throwing around a basketball and there's, a, there's yeah. it's basically a, a large group of people maybe like eight people they're all tossing a basketball back and forth mm-hmm. and you're supposed to count how many times the people in white pass back and forth yeah. versus the people in black who are also have a ball or passing back and forth. Mm. It's something like that. So yeah. you need to pay really close attention. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot mm-hmm. of noise in this because there's lots of movement. Yeah. There's multiple balls being passed mm-hmm. and you need to pay attention to how many how many times it's being passed. So you're trying to count. That's one. Yeah. Okay, wait, that's two. Mm-hmm. That's three. It could be similar to, you know, if you go to like a, uh, a baseball game, they might do this like thing on the Jumbotron where they have like the hats Mm-hmm. And the hats have a, like, one hat has the correct thing under it. Yeah. And then three hats, like, jump around yeah, a bunch. Yeah. And you're paying really close attention to, like, mm-hmm. which hat has the um, the red chip underneath it. It's the same kind of thing. It's yeah. when you're paying attention to these people passing this ball back and forth in this experiment, mm-hmm. you are fixated on counting this number, yeah. paying close attention, trying to get the signal that's in all this noise. Mm. So with this experiment, you know, they're kind of giving you these directions to somewhat distract or if anything, just to hone in and focus and maybe sort of ignite that kind of pattern making dynamic of the Mm -hmm. psyche. And then all of a sudden, like a gorilla like walks through and I forget what the actual. Not a real gorilla. No, a guy. (laughs) It's like, how'd they get the gorilla to do that? Amazing. Um, the a, gor- gorilla- <laughs> a gorilla walks through and just tears them all to pieces. And that's, exactly. That's and the that's experiment. the end of the story. No. Projection. <laughs> that's projection. Um, no. Anyways, a guy in a gorilla suit walks through and I think it's something like, I don't know, 40%, 20% of people actually see the gorilla. Mm-hmm. In theory, okay, I don't know if this is really projection, but I think it's interesting because we're messing with this idea of people taking in a lot of external stimuli. Yeah. And the likelihood is that like the unconscious, the full capacity of psyche is 
looking at everything in that video mm-hmm. and probably picks up on the the gorilla, but doesn't it d- doesn't register it to ego consciousness. Right. Um, and so this idea of like what's happening in this reality of the video is totally different based on each person's. I don't know, sort of natural abilities in some ways, how much they might focus in and close other things out. Some mm-hmm. uh, some people pick up on the gorilla and they see it walking by. And so you start looking into this sort of perceptual bias. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, that experiment kind of came to mind to me. Right, because you tell people, all right, so how many times did they pass the ball? Yeah. And you say seven. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, good, that's right. But did you see the gorilla? Yeah, exactly. And then people's response is, what? Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. And it's like, did you see the gorilla walk through mm. and beat its chest for a second in the middle of all this play going on and then walk off screen? Yeah. And people usually didn't see it. Mm. And the idea of that to them is like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The idea that a gorilla walked through the scene, yeah. beat its chest and then walked off yes, screen. That's right. It's like, it no, 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 that's, that's <laughs> not true. But then you rewatch the video. Yeah. And, you know, if you haven't seen it before, it's kind of ruined for you already. Sorry. But still, um, it's still an interesting thing. To, you can go watch the video. You can see this. It's like the, the gorilla, if you already know this, the gorilla seems obvious, incredibly obvious. It's like, yeah. of course you can see the gorilla, but people don't see it. And that's what's weird is that you begin to understand from this experiment that reality is very much defined by reduction of reducing all the noise around you. You can't take in all the information that's coming in. So what does the mind do? It has to reduce things down. It has to cut things out. It has to sort of um, filter all the information coming in Mm. and say what's important and what's not. Mm. Because if you took all the information in, it would just be noise. Yes. The same way that you turn on your TV screen, it's just static. Right. It's like you can't watch any story if they're just static on the screen. The same way with reality, you can't actually navigate through your reality. You can't take actions and make decisions and understand where to go next mm. if you're taking in all the information. It's just yes. noise. Um, so that's what the mind is doing. It's reducing things down. And you begin to understand that people are reducing things in different ways. They're fixating on certain patterns more heavily than other people are fixating on those patterns. When they see the gorilla, Mm. um, there's something that they didn't reduce out of their reality for whatever reason. And someone who didn't see the gorilla, they reduced it out. Mm. And so if you can understand this concept that this is what's happening all the time is that we're constantly sort of reducing reality and we're cutting out what doesn't seem important mm. and we're weighing different variables in reality with different um, different amount of importance. Yeah, This pattern is more important than this pattern and mm. this pattern is more important than that pattern and this is the most important pattern. Yeah. And everyone, excuse me, everyone has a different amount of weight for each pattern mm. yeah. and that's projection yeah reality is projected yeah and what you see is different than what someone else sees even though it's you tend to think that what you see is just objective right it's not Mm. you don't see what's objective yeah you never will (laughs) no one ever sees what's objective we're not actually really in touch with what is quote unquote absolutely objective yeah we're just doing the best we can to kind of make sense of reality in a way that serves our um our goals yeah um, another thing that came to mind is how you can have like a paragraph that's got 
words that have missing letters in it or they're like kind of swapped around and you can just read through the paragraph and just immediately pick it up or read it like it was normal. Mm -hmm. And there is an interesting phenomena of the the deep inner psyche knowing how to formulate those words, even though if you look at the sort of objective paragraph, it's all mixed around or it's missing things. And so you're seeing that um, there's this, I don't know, this very interesting skill that our mind has to create uh, patterns based on previous experiences. It knows that like this word usually comes after this one. So it's, it's already filling that in. Mm -hmm. And when we recognize that tendency towards that type of pattern making, we can see how projection on a grander scale in relational dynamics can really, uh, really hold a a type of energy on a person because we are forming patterns and associations and understandings. um, And that starts to take on deep emotional quality when it expands into the societal realm or the relational realm. Right. So for example, if you were going to uh, go online and stream this episode, you might've seen the title of the podcast, which is Golden Shadow Podcast. And if for some reason you saw it and the E was missing from golden, mm-hmm. it was G-O-L-D-N, shadow podcast, you wouldn't go haywire and be like, does not compute. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea what podcast this is anymore. You would just in, uh, insert the E anyways. You would take golden and you would insert the E. Mm. Your brain would make the connection anyways. Yeah. So you're projecting the meaning golden mm. or maybe the... Um, the pattern golden, you're projecting it on to the word that's missing the E anyways. So again, you're sort of making up for lost information. You're kind of predicting what should be there, yeah, not what actually is there mm. necessarily. Yeah. And this again goes to show that you are not simply seeing what is objectively there. Yeah. You're sort of interpreting what should be there. And mm. that might even be what you would like to be there. Yeah. You would like it to say golden shadow podcast. Therefore you see golden shadow podcast, despite that not actually being what's there. Maybe there's some weird like Ukrainian podcast called golden shadow without the E in it. (laughs) And you clicked on the wrong podcast. Like, uh Oh, it's so this, this illustrates again, the way in which we are, um, interpreting reality rather than simply seeing objective reality. Mm -hmm. We are making connections between things rather than just, um, knowing what's there everything is sort of a leap into the dark to kind of predict what is and what should be. Yeah. I'm curious Mm. if you could share your idea around what are the sort of evolutionary implications of this um, aspect of our instinctual biological makeup? You know, Mm. why do you think we evolved to have this mechanism and and certainly we must share it in many ways on that deeply biological level, especially with, um, with animals. Yeah. Um, but what, I don't know. What are your thoughts? It's a pretty big question. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't go into all of it, but, um, something that's important to understand and we've already said this, but like we don't see reality for what it is. Okay. And we tend to think that you do. And so, um, one of the challenges of AI, for instance, is building mm. consciousness. Yeah. And in the early days of AI, maybe back in like the, I don't even know, like 60s or 70s, 
there, I think, were ideas around, well, like, well, you could very easily, soon, within the decade, we'll probably have, like, conscious robots that are just like humans. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a misinterpretation of mm-hmm. what the mind is. And that you, if you actually try to build AI, you kind of have this expectation that you just turn on AI's eyes. Let's say you give AI a camera, you just give it a camera, and suddenly it can see reality, right? The mm-hmm. same way we see it. Yeah. Because reality is actually there. Mm. It's objectively there. But that is, that's not what happens. Mm. And they still, they're not even close to developing AI that can do this, mm. that just sees what humans see. And that's because everything is interpretation. So if you can understand like the evolutionary path of animals, of things that have a, uh, um, what would you say, neurological system? Yeah. Is that the right word? Mm. Anyways, um, entities that have senses, entities that hear and see and smell, mm. Um, it's not that evolution suddenly evolves an eye, the eye turns on and sees what's there. No, it's what's happening is that signals from the external world Mm. get, um, received by a subject, which might have been like a cell Mm. and the cell responds to that external stimuli and it builds something like yes or no, something very simple. So if, if a cell, let's say gets poked by another cell, there's some stimuli that's going to reject that other cell and say, get away from me, like danger. And that stimuli is just sort of like very, very simple um, cause and effect. And as that evolved, that would evolve into something that is very, more, very much more basic than we think. Yeah. And so like flies, flies have senses, but they don't see what we see. Mm. The idea that uh, flies have eyes, so obviously they see reality just like we see reality. It's like, no, we have no fucking clue what it means to be a fly. That's not coherent. You might have a movie where like, it's like, okay, now it's in fly vision and the fly is flying around and you're seeing what the fly sees, but that actually is like completely incoherent. Mm. And the, the, the human mind is so complex that our vision is really unique to us and no other animal sees what we see in the mm. way that we see it. Yeah. Um, the very objects we see, um, again, it's easy to think that the objects are just there and we see what they are and that's it, but we evolved to see the objects a certain way. We evolved to see the objects as tools, mm. not objects, not just like materials. Everything is a tool or an obstacle. Everything either fits in with our goals or it doesn't fit in with our goals. And that's why we project things. Mm. We see things that are useful and we project good onto mm. them. Mm-hmm. We see things that are in our way and we project bad. Yeah. And that becomes more complex. And we might see a person. We might project good on that person. Mm-hmm. That's my boyfriend. Yeah. I love him. He's good. We see a different person who's like a stranger who's scary and we project bad onto Mm. them. And it's like, well, what's the difference between the stranger and your boyfriend? They're essentially the same materials, the same cells, the same body. They both have two arms, two legs. They have a face. Like, why would you see anything different between the two? And it's like, because we're projecting all this information onto each one. You're projecting so much information onto your boyfriend and you're projecting so much information onto the stranger. And mostly the stranger is mystery. Mm. It's mostly, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And the unknown scares me because it could be a possible threat, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, whether or not any of that made any sense just now, you know. I think you did. This stuff is hard. Yes. These questions are incredibly abstract and incredibly yes. deep. Um, and you're really kind of getting to the fundamental notions of like, what is reality? What is the nature of reality? How is reality structured? Yeah. And yeah. It's a big question. Well, thank you, Aaron. A plus answer in my book. All right. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of covering this very um, fundamental 
um, instinctual, very like sensation, you know, our five senses oriented, you know, mm-hmm. what is sound, what is, what is this, what are the things we're taking in visually, really, um, if not colored with this subjectivity and mm-hmm. perceptual bias, but most notably people understand projection in the realm of, um, of psychology yeah. and often throw it around in that sense. And, and, and that's where this goes next, I feel, because after you understand some level of this, uh, this biological framework, mm-hmm. that this is something that is inherently part of you, it, it helps to hopefully disarm a little bit of that sense of that pejorative connotation that can sometimes come with projection. Right. Um, but recognizing that there's that instinctual framework, um, to me, one of the big things to note about projection is that it's it's not a conscious process. Right. You know, it's something that's happening, happening deep in the unconscious psyche, yeah. deep within the body, in that interconnected realm between, you know, does your is your body feeling that sense of uncertainty and fear and anxiety by the stranger? And then kind mm. of like setting off, you know, the thoughts that say, whoa, 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 that person scares me. Mm. I need to turn down this way. It's, you know, it's that interconnected space of mind and body that work together to uh, move you through life, protecting you, really, right. keeping you going. Um, right. Super unconscious. Yes. It's, uh, another way to phrase this, a priori. Yeah. yeah. Which means yeah. like it comes before any evidence. Mm. So if we go back to like colors, for instance, the wall is yellow. Yeah. The apple is red. My hair is brown. Mm-hmm. You, you're not deciding that the apple is red. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's incoherent to even try and phrase it this way, but like the idea of like, oh, there's an object there. It's an apple. You know what? The apple is going to be red. I'm going to decide on that. It's like, no, it's like you just see red. Right. You have no choice right. about this. You have no control over it. Yeah. And that's almost everything. It's just mm. like, it's just a projection. Reality just is. Mm. And you can navigate through it. And maybe there's some free will. Maybe there's no free will. Yeah. It's, it's hard to really wrap our minds around that. But like, we're not deciding on our projections. Mm-hmm. They just are. Yes. And that's that's <laughs> what is so scary is the idea of like, Oh, am I like not in control of anything that I see or think or feel? Right. It's like, well, in some ways you're kind of not. Like, it gets back into that fate and free will conversation. Yeah, Did we yeah. have that? Did we talk about that? Yeah. Oh, Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Go listen to that like episode. Six or something, something like that. <laughs> um, I think there's a level of these inherent universal structures that we can't ever break out of fully, but there's yeah. a lot of interesting flexibility when it comes to projection, mm-hmm. um, especially on the psychological level yeah. and how it affects us in culture and in relationships and on an, on an individual kind of inner work level. Yeah. Um, so projection, not an unconscious, not a conscious pro- process. It is unconscious. And you really understand projection because you meet it. You mm-hmm. meet it out in the world. You don't make it yourself, it is uh, materializing around you and there are going to be opportunities really for it to become more obvious Mm. um, in different experiences. You know, we talk a lot about the shadow, of course, on this podcast and Mm -hmm. the shadow really is experienced by consciousness through projection. When we put it onto others, um, we know that projection is happening when we have that sense of self-righteousness, like, oh my God, that person, when you're really ticked off and there's mm-hmm. that sense of like, I'm not like that. Yeah. Um, when you feel that deep unease, really when like ego identity is disturbed in a pretty powerful way, right. there's usually something interesting going on there. Some level of projective material that is at play. Um, 
And that's connected, of course, to those deeper elements in the unconscious, to our complexes, to different archetypal patterns. And those are opportunities for us to see in what ways we might feel tied or limited to certain structures, certain projections that have the ability uh, to shift and change and integrate a little bit better, Um, which is to say you're not a slave to projections that might be ruling your life. There's a way to... Uh, gain control of them. And we'll kind of get into that later in the episode, but just on that on that deeply individual level, um, we're looking at projection happening around us and not always something that you can just sort of sit and think about and be like, mm, oh yeah, that's my projection. It's, it's a little bit trickier than that sometimes. Right. So we should go into some examples, some more down to earth examples of, yes. of how this term projection is usually used. Mm-hmm. The way we've talked about it so far is like yeah. pretty cerebral <laughs> but for instance yeah um let's say when i see a belt mm-hmm. belts are useful yes i like my belt mm-hmm. it's cool I li- and if i lost it i'd be sad but a belt's a belt i wear it in my belt loops keeps my pants up mm-hmm. keeps my pants from falling down yeah belt's good that's me projecting onto the belt it's good it's useful that's mm-hmm. it someone else they might have been whipped by a belt when they were yes. young yes so they see the exact same belt, the exact same object, the exact same materials. Mm. And we tend to think, well, what's there is just the belt. That's objectively what's there. It's a belt. That's it. And it's like, okay, well, why is this person that was whipped with the belt when they were young? Why do they see pain? Yeah, yeah. Why do they recoil when they see a belt? Why do they find ways to not wear belts? Right, there might be like a somatic experiencing happening as well. Tension yeah. in the shoulders, mm-hmm. you know, like you're starting to sweat. There's this, there's like a biological reaction. Right. And the the experience of the belt is uh, colored and layered with that person's uh, personal history and the trauma that's connected to that. Right. At the same time, you look at the belt and you see it as functional and useful and someone else who just like doesn't wear belts and doesn't care. It's just like, right. eh. Like, that's just nothing to me. Right. So you're projecting onto the belt. Mm-hmm. Both people, the person who sees the belt is just like this thing that's useful. Yeah. It's projecting that. But we normally think of projection as being sort of like something that's more kind of uh, pejorative, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the person who sees the belt as something that is like a weapon, something mm-hmm. that causes pain, mm-hmm. they're projecting onto it. And we're doing that with literally everything. Yeah. Every single object we're projecting. Mm. And that's what's so weird. Yeah. But Again, more more examples of how this is, is commonly seen. Yes. Let's say someone um, someone has a very confident uh, self-image. Mm-hmm. They feel good about their body. They feel good about their looks. They think they dress well. They think they're generally pretty likable. And they're walking down the street and someone is staring at them mm-hmm. from across the street as they walk. Stranger. And what they project onto that stranger is like, huh, that person's checking me out. Yeah. Like, yep, I know I look good. Like, hey, <laughs> thanks. You know, like, yeah, like people checking me out. Like, yeah, I look good. Walking down the street, you just keep going. Your your mood has been uh, uplifted. You feel positive, more positive about yourself. Yes. Also, can I just interrupt really quick? Yeah. Ego identity is being kept um, in balance. There is a sense of that continuity of your story, mm-hmm. that projection plays a big, big part in. So yeah. your narrative is like, I'm awesome. People are always checking me out. That makes me feel good. So when you walk by and someone just sort of looks at you really neutrally, you feel that sense of like the dopamine hit, right? right. And like, and the narrative of, of ego consciousness is, yes, I am awesome. Yeah. 
They just told me by that look. Confirmed. Confirmed. Bias yes. confirmed. Again, yes. if you get into biases, biases are also projections. Oh, yeah. It's all related. If you this whole idea of confirmation bias is like your projection is being confirmed by something because mm, yes. you want your projection to be confirmed. Yeah. Because you yeah. want reality to feel coherent. Yes. You want to feel like you're in control of your reality. Yes. Anyways, so a uh, counter example: someone is walking down the street. This person has a very bad self-image. Mm. They have really low confidence. They feel mm. really bad about their body. Mm. Maybe they were made fun of a lot as a child for their looks. Yeah. Um. And they're walking down the street and someone is staring mm. and their immediate response is like, that person is staring at me because I look stupid yeah. or I look ugly today. Yeah. I know I'm ugly. I know I'm stupid. Like, okay, yes, you've confirmed. I, I get it. Thank you, mister, for staring at me. They will keep walking down the street. Mm. Their mood has been decreased. Yeah. Um, they feel worse about themselves. And their bias, their projection, which is that people only stare at me because I look stupid and yeah. weird that projection has been confirmed. Mm. And so again, you have the same experience for two different people, mm. the same materials, right. the same object, which is a man staring at me. And you have two wildly different projections. And so when someone says, man, like I was walking down the street and someone stared at me and obviously mm. I just like look like crap today. Mm. I'm a mess. Uh, and no one will ever love me. You might say to that person, you know what? <laughs> You might be projecting a bit. Yeah. Don't you think you might be projecting a little bit onto that person? That's normally how we use this word. Mm-hmm. And you might say the same per- the same way to the guy who feels really good about himself. Oh, absolutely. The dude who's like, hey, like I was walking and this construction worker stared at me <laughs> and like he was checking me out and like I'm cool with it. Yeah. And it's like, mm, are you sure he was checking you out? Maybe he was just staring for some reason. Maybe he wasn't even looking at you but looking behind you. Maybe you're projecting a bit. Yes. Um, Yes. Um, Projection also has positive effects. And that's something that we have to talk about, uh, recognize. Projection is neutral. Projection is neutral. Thank you. Projection is reality. So the idea of like the way that we structure reality is negative. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's an incoherent thing to say. Yes. Um, Nor is it positive. It just is. Yes. Uh, But the effects of it can be um, connective and uh, help us sort of develop deeper... um, interpersonal relations like Mm. as an example you know your your neighbor who is an old lady you project kindness and wisdom maybe Mm -hmm. um and that makes you feel um open to talking to her and then you strike up conversation every day when you go to walk your dog and then you guys become friends and it all sort of started by that spark of projection of old lady looks harmless usually pretty nice people probably it would be interesting to talk to and that's all happening like in an instant yeah and and it created an opportunity for connection mm-hmm. at the same time they might look at you like a kind of like a younger adult and think like oh life is so much in front of you and i could give you you know insights and maybe they're yearning for friendship you know yeah. there's like a there's a mutual projection going on between the two individuals before they even really know each other um, so projection can facilitate uh, relationship development. It's really honestly <laughs> the basis of relationship development mm-hmm. as it is this form of, of, of reality, mm-hmm. but it helps connect us by, uh, allowing us to tap into some sort of connective projection, which allows us to move outside of ourselves and then connect to that other person because right. there was a sense of who they were, even though we have no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, people, I mean, this is uh, probably something we've talked about before, but like, um, often your attitude, just basic attitude is a projection, mm -hmm. whatever your attitude is, whatever your sort of, uh, 
manner of approaching reality or engaging with your life, um, your attitude warps everything. Mm. So if you're someone who is generally cynical Mm, and thinks the world is full of bad people who just want to lie, cheat, and steal with each other, and that's your attitude, you'll project that everywhere and your opportunities will just close on you. Mm. You you think the world is just full of closed doors. You'll begin to see closed doors everywhere right? That's projecting. This is the basis for like, I feel like a lot of the like new age thought of like, what do you call it? Um, law of attraction and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. your mindset is everything. And part of that is like, oh, it's absolutely true because your, as you said, cynical mindset will project darkness, you know, um, you know, fighting with people. I won't get that job, whatever it is, that's always going to be projected out into the world. And the shifting of a mindset is really, if anything, the recognition of like some deep inner thing that's causing the projection material to constantly be veiled with darkness and shadow, fear, right. anxiety. Right. It's a lens that you're putting on everything. Yes. It's the yes. goggles that you're wearing that, that all your projections get filtered through mm. that say nothing's going to work out. Yeah. There's no point in trying. Why try to find a new girlfriend uh, after this one broke up with me, it's like, it's never going to work out. It's mm. like, well, you're kinda, not with that attitude. Not with that attitude. <laughs> and the, the counterpoint to that is that how uh, a positive attitude and how this perception that the world is actually yeah. a very alive, very warm place full yeah. of love and that people generally uh, are good and people just want to live in a good way with each other mm. and be kind to each other. And people yeah. are so capable of love if you find a way to open them up to it. If you have that attitude, the world feels like this open, beautiful place and all these opportunities will emerge that you will take on and say, you know what? I'm going to take a leap and just start a conversation with this person because Mm -hmm. I bet that we could be friends. And you'll find that if you actually have this attitude, you will make lots of friends. And if you take a lot of job opportunities, you'll actually find you'll get a good job. And um, if you're not afraid of reality as this dark place, but as this beautiful, bright place, it will actually <laughs> turn out that way. Mm. And so that's this difference between a negative projection and a positive projection yeah. as, a, as a way of orienting your life. Mm. We see projection at play in relationships um, with people. And that's, I think, often where this conversation comes um, into focus. Yeah, And there's, there's some sort of uh, issue that's come up, some reason why individuals are fighting. Mm-hmm. You're really pissed off at somebody. And sort of exploring that, what's going on, here's an example. Um, An individual has a friend who tends to be late, who Mm. seems a little bit more easygoing, kind of lazy even. And there's just something about that friend that like really ticks him off, you know. And yes, in some ways it's inconsiderate to be late. It's inconsiderate to hold people's plans up because you haven't showed up. He's like the one friend who always does this. But he shows up and he's happy. He's kind of like, hey, guys, how's it going? Like maybe even the life of the party, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that person is struggling at times when that happens. And there's that, that energy of um, unhappiness of a feeling of disturbance going on. And so if you were to pull apart what's going on, projection always has a hook um, for that projection to be placed on. Yeah, There's a reason to be upset or there's a reason to feel in love or um, in gratitude of someone. Mm-hmm. So the projection is being hooked onto that friend in that sense that that person's lazy, that yeah. person um, you know, is rude, inconsiderate. Um, but if that person would step back and look a little bit deeper at what's going on for them, you know, what is at the core there? Carelessness, yes, but maybe also a freedom 
maybe also a carefreeness that makes them feel more open to the world, a little bit more flexible. And maybe this individual is someone who has such a rigid inner structure. Maybe they came from a childhood environment where their parents were extremely critical, where their parents kept them on time, very regimented. And so the feeling of someone else who embodies a type of other, literal other, you know, than them is disturbing to um, both ego consciousness, but also to the the different unconscious aspects going inside of themselves. It could be um, activating part of that trauma of um, not having been able to be carefree and light themselves. Mm. Um, So when they see it in another, it totally sets them off, you know, or maybe there's a sense of being angry of that person having that ability to live life in that way. Yet at the same time, Uh, the person who's going through that projection yearns deeply for that. And I think that's something we see also in projection is that there's a feeling that someone else has some element that's been denied inside of you. Um, So it can be bringing up trauma and you're reliving that sense of emotional dynamics that are coming up, but Mm -hmm. also a feeling of, of what is being disallowed inside of yourself and how that projection hurts then. Yeah, I mean, the shadow definitely comes up here, yeah. right? And um, when we're talking about relation, relational projection, we're often talking about the shadow mm-hmm. as the hook, as you said. Yeah. We find hooks to hang um, our projections on. Yes. Uh, same way that, um, you know, even the word golden without the E, you're still going to hang <laughs> the word golden onto that yeah. word that you're sort of hanging your projection onto it. The same is true for people. Another way you can think of it is like we, um, people serve as containers for our projections. Yes. Um, yes. and people that were often, especially in romantic relationships, cause yes. we spend so much time with these people that they serve as containers for our projections, containers for, um, the shadow mm. often. And the idea that you could somehow not project onto people is, Incoherent. Yes, impossible. Again, because everything is a projection. But um, when a projection becomes really like a vice, when it becomes a really negative thing, um, this is often because it's so um, unbalanced, so out of touch with what's real or what's what's um, conducive to you having the life you want. And so the shadow comes up. Um, maybe you're not dealing with something and maybe you haven't been dealing with something in your entire life that Mm. really has been weighing you down and really causes you an immense amount of anxiety and you're feeling really anxious all the time and you don't know where it's coming from. You Mm. just know you feel anxious and we tend to want to blame people for things. Just generally speaking, we just tend to blame people for things. If something goes wrong, we usually want someone to blame. Mm. That's a whole other conversation. You can check out the collective shadow episode if you want to hear more about that idea of a scapegoat for instance but um in a relationship um you're around your um wife all the time let's say and you're anxious you're feeling really anxious you're feeling really stressed out with your job you're not getting um enough time to yourself you're not getting enough exercise whatever and your wife's around you all the time and you just tend to think, you know what, the reason I'm anxious is, is it's because of you. Mm. And, you know, look what you're always trying to get me to like clean up around the house. You're always yeah. trying to get me to, um, let's say make the bed or like, uh, leave the toilet seat down. Mm. You know what? And it's like, you are the cause of my anxiety. Mm. I'm going to lash out at you. I'm going to project all of this onto you and say, yeah. this is your fault. Yes. So I have the shadow, this thing I'm not doing with properly. Mm. And my wife serves as a container for that. Yeah. 
I say, I take my shadow mm-hmm. and I place it in that container and say, you're the source of my shadow. Yeah. You are my shadow. And that's projecting, right? That's just like the, oh, yes. the, the most typical yes. way that we use the word projection is to describe a situation like that. Yes. Yes. The feeling that, um, I think especially this comes up when there's a sense of, as I've been kind of mentioning, like ego disturbance, really deep affect, emotional reactivity. And it's Mm. like, where is this coming from? Obviously there's an element of something very deep within you that's trying to express itself. But that feeling of not being able to truly understand it makes us turn towards the outer world. So the individual who feels a lot of fear and anxiety in their life will look out into society and find it in places it does not exist. Right. And maybe there's a hook. Yes, true. But Right. There's it, like a kernel of truth yes. there, maybe. But like that kernel of truth can be like, all right, it must be all encompassing. Yeah. This thing that like kind of is making my life more difficult is the source of everything that makes my yes. life more difficult. Yes. That uh, projection coming together on the grand scale uh, societal levels is where we see the manifestations of some mm-hmm. of like the biggest um, intergroup fighting yeah. wars, um, genocides. For Those sure. type yeah. of people are bad because they're this, uh, we come from this religion, you know, from that spiritual tradition because right. they're that political association because yeah. um, their skin is that color. Yeah, it's an, an interesting point, actually, the way the projection can be weaponized. Oh, and man, yeah. And, and this doesn't just have to be like an instinctual thing where someone's not conscious of it. Mm. It's like, no, people consciously weaponize projection yes. to achieve political aims. Oh, absolutely. A good example is Hitler using, yes. Yes. you know, the Jews as a scapegoat and saying, Okay, since World War One, Germany has been totally screwed. You know why? It was those backstabbing Jews. Yeah. And so people in Germany, they had this projection. They said, like, why why is Germany so screwed up? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I guess it makes sense that it was the Jews. And they project all that angst, all that anxiety, yeah. all that pain, all that feeling of like, my life is totally screwed up. And, you know, um, you can't blame these people too much. You'd be projecting on them to blame them, a lot of them for feeling this way because yes. life was hard. But that projection is being weaponized yes. and say all of your troubles can be contained within this one group. Yes. Within this one person even. To the flip side, maybe say, it's like, what was World War II about? It's like Hitler. It's mm. like, well, <laughs> a little more complicated than that maybe. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you're using Hitler as a container for mm. everything that went wrong. Mm. Uh, in World War II, and it's like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. But there's like the flip side of things where mm. it's being weaponized, but someone's, someone, I'm saying, because I'm thinking about cults, but also groups, sometimes it depends. But basically, yeah. like the projection is one of like godlike reverence, liberation, right. salvation. Yes. Yes. And a different form of this. Yes. And it's the same type of very dangerous projection that's going on. So you have something like Jonestown. It's like, how did that happen? Yeah. How did someone really, only really one person at the top have the ability to influence so many people, to get them to leave their homes, to then kill themselves? Yeah. That is God-like projection. Yeah. Everyone is projecting their salvation, their uh, meaning of life onto an individual who's mm-hmm. then weaponizing it for his own benefit and yeah. then, you know, at the destruction of everybody involved. Yeah. You really want to believe in paradise. Mm. You really want to live in like the promised land and yes. someone provides it with you. You like, and you want it so bad. You like, you really want, I want to have finally found my people. I want yeah. to have finally found my family. 
I want everything to be all right finally. I want to feel like I'm saving the world mm. and I'm looking for some hook to hang that on. Yes. I'm looking for some container to fill with these contents. And sometimes that's just a personal relationship. Sure. My boyfriend is my savior. Right. You know? Yes. Because you don't know how to save yourself. Yeah. Because you don't know how to save yourself from what's going on inside of you. So you cling to people. And right. That, and that's another form of it. on a, right. <laughs> Like on a much smaller scale, but yeah. at the same time, just as devastating when it ends, right? Or when right. the projection turns out not to be true. I thought I could rely on you. You know, my mm-hmm. whole life has been based around you as yeah. my anchor. Yeah. And it's really hard for people to carry those projections. Yeah. Um, especially when you're not asking for it or when you don't really understand what you're getting yourself into. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. So I think everyone's experienced some form of this, whatever we're talking about. Mm. And, you know, again, it takes all kinds of forms. Um, parents might project things onto their children. Yes. Um, my perfect child. My perfect child. (laughs) Can um, do no wrong. She can do absolutely no wrong because she is perfect. And if, (laughs) if if, if the school says that she's selling weed... No, there's no way. The school is out to get her for some reason. The right. school is jealous about her and our family. Right. And you're projecting all these things on your child, which is like she is like uh, just perfect, absolute darling. She's going to save the world. Yes. And it's like you don't want to look at reality. Instead, you're projecting things onto it. Um, on the flip side, sometimes people who grow up in environments like that, uh, they really struggle to hold up the weight of a projection like that. Perfection, yeah. straight A's, do no wrong, that right. like they fold under that pressure. Right. And then they start selling weed because they're acting out, right? Right. You know? And that's sort of like this cyclical, yeah. reciprocal reinforcing of, it's like, you're going to be a doctor someday. <laughs> like, God damn it, you're going to be a doctor. And it's like, well... I wasn't going to rebel and start selling weed and drinking <laughs> but booze, now but now, <laughs> now I am. So like I might have been a doctor if you hadn't been so hard on me, but yeah. now I'm like really not going to be a doctor. And it's like that backfired. Mm. And that's, you know, a, a difficult counterintuitive thing that you have to grapple with yeah. when dealing with not just children, but everyone. Anyway, so this idea, as we're illustrating, it's universal. Yes. Go back to the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> like reality is a projection. Everything is projected. Everything we think of as being real is sort of a landscape of projections Mm. and everything has a different weight to it, a different color to it, a different value associated with it, good and bad. And it's impossibly complex. You can't take apart everything and be like, well, which projection is which? And I'm going to (laughs) isolate this projection and understand that it's not related to any other projections and there's no relationships between these projections and there's no relationships between these relationships of projections. Like you can't do that. Everything's related. So, but the universality is here. Yes. And the point is that everything is an interpretation and you have to be mindful of the way that you are interpreting things and whether or not it is a good way of interpreting or a bad way of interpreting. How real is your interpretation? How objective is your interpretation? And there's there's a spectrum to that, I would mm. say. Yes. You know, some projections are more objectively true than other projections. And yeah. that's it's tough to sort that out. Yeah. I think to close out this conversation, we'll try and just go over a quick few exercises, mm-hmm. maybe some practical advice. What yeah. can you do with all of this? Yeah. As we mentioned, don't approach it as I must remove myself of all projections. It's impossible, but yeah, the I mean, more... you could kill yourself, I guess. It's like well, yeah, projections that's... removed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a level, I think, especially in 
the kind of interconnected relational realm and individual yeah. uh, um, relationship where projection has a lot of movement, flexibility, and potential. And the more conscious you become of um, who you are, what's going on, what's driving you, the less likely you are to project out into the world. Yeah. So you take back the projections. Um, you reestablish authority, um, and the power moves from being um, – basically outer authority things are ruling me things are making me react i'm being triggered by this mm -hmm. to inner authority yeah. and it i think it brings a quality of centeredness and not necessarily full non-reactivity but there is a feeling of being more anchored and grounded in yourself and almost seeing things happening yeah. i think um Obviously, like meditation is really, really helpful with this, but becoming the observer sometimes in these moments of reactivity, you can recognize it happening in the moment or at least reflect on it after it's happened. So as with all of this self-work and shadow work, I think that practice of meditation and um, awareness is fundamental. Yeah. I mean, all the usual suspects that we brought before are useful. Yeah. A lot of what we're talking about in these practices, we were talking about mirrors, mm. externalizations. Yes. There's, there's a way to use journaling as a mirror mm. you write to yourself and you begin to see how crazy you sound and you begin <laughs> to realize how much you're projecting yeah it's like if i read this as if it's someone i don't know i can see that they are really really projecting a lot of things onto their romantic relationship that aren't actually there yes and you can't do that without journaling yeah. and looking at things external yes more objectively same with um I mean, meditation is going to happen. So you're going to kind of take apart your perception. You're going to take apart your ego in some sense. You're going to begin to realize there's certain sensations that are emerging that were being reduced out of your perception before, as we sort of referred to at the beginning of the talk. Um, friends, I always throw this out there because I think it's really important. I know that people don't really do this. Or they, they don't it's want inappropriate. to. They it's, don't want to. But like, ask people but, around you about yeah. your projections. Yeah. Do you think I have biases? <laughs> What are those biases? Why do you think I have those? Yeah. People, hopefully, if they're good friends, if they love you, and hopefully if they have some tact, mm. they know how to reveal to you in a gentle way. It's like, well, you know what? You tend to pretend as if everyone's out to get you. <laughs> you always seem yeah. to leap to this conclusion that like everyone is trying to work against you for some reason yeah. or that people dislike you, and they don't. It's just you're just warping reality. Yeah. And that's okay, but like you should take that into account and try mm. to make efforts to be like, hmm, how is this actually a situation in which someone is not out to get me, but I'm actually responsible here? Mm. Or maybe nothing's actually wrong to begin with. And maybe I should stop freaking out. Yeah. Maybe I should stop feeling so paranoid. Yeah. A couple of questions to consider. Um, what issues, <laughs> interactions, situations are most likely to provoke you? Something that brings heightened emotional responses, mm -hmm. which is like anything on the spectrum from like intense joy and elation um, to anger and frustration right. and resentment. Like you want to look at the spectrum of emotional experiences because something that's activating like super intense ecstasy to the point of like infatuation, probably yeah. a projection. Um, what types of situations typically... Uh, trigger you bring that sense of disturbance up 
um, repetitive relationship patterns, big opportunity for seeing the natural projections that we have and how we routinely work with them, especially if it always seems to go this certain way. Mm. And it's just like, why is this happening? It's like, "Mm, that's showing us our blind spots. Yeah. Um, Something I wanted to throw out there, an idea that I had was Mm. for those of you who kind of um, feel called to the more visual techniques, active imagination. I think this can be useful. Maybe you've identified some sort of projective material, something inside of yourself. Mm. You can use a type of visual meditation of drawing that projection back in. You know, imagine you're sitting in a room and uh, symbolize that projection in some way and it's across from you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's an actual item, maybe it's just like a color, whatever it is, and start to interact with it. Invite it to come closer. See what happens as the unconscious kind of steps into the room with you and does the image change? Do you, uh, does something else come in? Um, you know, do you start having emotional somatic experiences while it's, while it's happening? Um, how does that relate to the situation? Yeah. Using that style of active imagination to get in touch with the, um, with the projection on a deeper sort of like non thinking functioned way of, of experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, last is you know, kind of an exercise that I'll just briefly walk us through, but, um, so you're become aware, you know, of some issue, something that's happened, um, that's brought out that material of projection, or you at least want to understand it. So think of a person you've had issues with lately, as an example, write down their name and a certain quality or a few that you feel is at the core of the issue between you. So mm-hmm. as an example, um, this lady, Sandy is feeling, um, upset because her friend is betrayed her and She's emotionally unstable and she can't trust her. So she writes down her name, Sandy. Can't trust her, emotionally unstable. What is the hook? That's the next question. Why does this person set you off? It isn't just that, you know, Sandy pissed me off. It's like this person got so upset, so angry that she felt like she wanted to yell. She felt like she wanted to hurt Sandy as much as she had been hurt. Mm. And there's a hook there, right? Like Sandy did something to cause a deep sense of pain. And that we have to recognize with especially relational dynamics of projection is that something's been brought forward. Someone might have done something wrong, but is that everything? Is that the whole story? Then look into your own history. Consider what connections are there. What is the emotional quality that you're feeling? What is the narrative? What is the actual historical content to that? And we Mm. realize that this friend, um, the woman who's upset, when she was young, had a friend who also did something to her, really felt betrayed. And when Sandy hurt her, it was like she was back at that time. I'm 15 years old again. I'm embarrassed. I'm angry. I'm upset. I can't believe I've been betrayed by my best friend. And although Sandy did something wrong, at the same time, she's re-experiencing and projecting all of that pain onto that situation. And then she gets really upset. And that's where we start to see the interesting... Um, dynamics of projection that yes, something in uh, kind of present day reality is true. Something happened, but I'm also being brought back to a place. Mm-hmm. Emotional energy is coming back. I'm re-experiencing it. I never fully integrated that experience I had when I was 15. I was too young. Yeah. So then it's time to sit, journal about it. You know, um, how can you forgive your friend when you were a teenager? How can you forgive Sandy? How can you forgive yourself? Walking through an exercise like that can just help you look at all of the threads, all of the connections, and see it as a greater cohesive whole, and hopefully find a little bit more solace, a little bit more peace with the situation. 
And now it's time for a dream from a member of our audience. This is from a 21-year-old female. And here's the dream. A beautiful poor husky is found in the bin, struggling to find his last breaths. He is covered with his own blood, laying there calmly. My devilish friend and I find him there, and he pitifully remarks, Who would do such a thing? He claims to be beyond evil, as his heart is made of evil. I ask him if he even has a heart. I look at the dog, but don't feel anything. I notice its beautiful coat and his last attempt to stay alive, drinking some water out of the cup the evil man, who appears to be my friend, has given him. We both begin to see that someone is sending a message. Good storytelling voice, Lauren. Thank you. I have to say, when we received this dream, I got really excited because um, if you've listened to my episode, um, Alyssa's dream series, I dream a lot about wolves and huskies. And I was like, oh my God, a husky. Cool. But this dream- Alyssa doesn't just dream about <laughs> huskies and wolves. She's really, really into them. Yeah. It's like a thing. It's a character mm-hmm. quirk. Um, anyways, th- this dream is dark and- It has a lot of energy to it, and I still feel a little curious about it. I'm still sort of, it's still sort of settling with me because the dreamer did provide quite a bit of context, which thank you very much for anyone who submits dreams when you guys give us more insights. Very helpful. Context. Context. Context, Yes. Context. Um, This individual had about a year ago gone through an extremely difficult time and went, um, I don't know. It seems like in a, a total psychic shape up, they have a personality change in some ways, a mild psychosis, um, personality change to the degree that they feel like they've dissociated for themselves for weeks at a time, that they've lost a lot of emotional energy mm-hmm. um, and now are maybe kind of back to themselves. Yet there seems to be a big shift and feelings of um, intense emotion that they used to experience before are now gone anything from negative feelings to positive feelings, sadness, happiness, sexual desire, all just kind of muted. So in a lot of ways, this dream to me, especially if the dog represents some very deep kind of um, personality archetype for her, the wounding of that dog seems to be a reflection of what she's gone through and and where she's feeling at maybe right now, which is a sense of brokenness, um, almost kind of on the edge of, of death in a way. Um, the bloodied, the bloodied Husky. Um, she does also mention that she's had dogs appear wounded in her dreams before and that she has always really loved dogs. So I'm looking at it really similar to me. I'm obviously like projecting mm-hmm. my own like love of huskies, but yeah. they're like a soul image for me. When I see them, there's like a part of my being that's, I know this very, right. very intensely is here and it's presenting itself sometimes courageously, sometimes broken. You know, I've had like wounded dogs also. And that to me always reflects a really deep inner wounding. Mm-hmm. So that intense feeling of um, kind of inner uh, darkness, inner brokenness uh, is what I see in that husky. Yeah. I mean, spirit animal, mm-hmm. right? And the yeah. spirit animal is a reflection of you. Yes. It's a reflection of your energy. Mm. In this case, the dog might be her, 
or it's a part of her. Um, and she may be perceiving that some, some part of herself, some part of the unconscious is dying mm. or is laying there bloodied. Um, it might also be sort of a reflection of maybe her sort of uh, giving orally or just tendency to want to take care of things and rescue things mm. that maybe she feels like she's cut off from. Mm. Maybe she doesn't have the power to help this dog the same way in life. She doesn't feel like she has the power to, to be present or do the things mm. that she needs to do. She feels distanced from herself perhaps. Yeah. Um, the friend who she's describing as a devil mm. mm-hmm. is pretty explicit symbolism. Yeah. Um, we don't want to read too much into that stereotypically and just say, well, you know, obviously like it's like the light side and the dark side. You're talking with your shadow. Mm. Um, you're talking with something that is evil that is um, with you right now. It's your companion is this evil thing and it's preventing you from taking care of this puppy. It's preventing you from protecting things. Um, it's interesting because in the dream, she says that the dog is drinking water out of the cup that the evil man had given the Mm. dog. So there's this really interesting tension between like this man is evil. His heart is made of evil. And also he's kind of taking care of the dog Mm -hmm. and that interesting tension of opposites always kind of brings that flavor of pretty powerful unconscious material. Yeah. Even something that's sort of like got that like deep transformative self archetype, like at the core there. So there is a sense of darkness of evil, but also um, a a kind of uh, the kind of caring and nurturing that's happening through that figure. So Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of curious of with this dreamer feeling like they don't even have access to their pain or even evil, you might say, or positivity and happiness and like nurturance. It's being pictured here in this, in this evil friend. Um, But they're not really acting that evil. Yes. They seem in the dream to be described that way, but the actions isn't like, Oh, and then the evil man just killed the dog. It's like, (laughs) yeah, the friend seems like a good person who's like kind and cares about the dog. And she just, she just says the character is evil like three times. Right. That's, that's that's all we have to go on. Yes. The friend remarks who would do such a thing to Mm -hmm. the dog. The dreamer, the dream ego, looks at the dog in a way that is um, sort of distant is kind of the best word I I think I can come up with right now. What does she say? I look at the dog but don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. So there's a real sense of of interesting perspective going on here where dream ego, which is most likely mimicking conscious attitude, conscious feelings, um, is got that sense of disconnection. Yet... Whoever this shadowy, evil, quote unquote, friend is might have access to a lot of those suppressed emotions. Wherever that went during this time of turmoil that she went through, Mm -hmm. this figure might be part of the journey to getting back to that, maybe. Um, I would encourage the dreamer to sort of keep an eye on their dreams and see if this particular figure comes back or at least someone similar to that Mm -hmm. um, because they might be trying to bring the message in. And how did they close it? They said me. Something very cryptic, which is we both begin to see that someone is sending a message. Yeah. 
sounds like kind of ominous and spooky, spooky. or maybe yeah. like it's like, no, it's like it's God and God is trying to tell you something well, to save you. Well, God in dreams is powerful, man. Mm-hmm. I had this one dream where it was like I was at a church and it was like, God wants you to do this. It's like, oh, okay. Sometimes it comes like that, right? Yeah. God as like the symbol of the self, the sim- symbol of the higher consciousness, something that's trying to guide you back towards order. Yeah. So the ominous message that kind of like it's coming from the universe, spirit, God, whatever that's powerful Mm -hmm. and if she doesn't know where this message came from either way like the figures in the dream are recognizing it so there seems to be an interesting exploration that's going on here within the dream and uh, maybe things are shifting in the psyche and maybe the streamer is going to start getting access back to some of that emotional content inside of herself right there's an expansiveness i think it's just associated with um the feeling that someone is sending a message yeah. means there's an openness. Yes, I'm not alone. I'm not alone, but also just like, what does it mean? There's mm-hmm. like a feeling of wonder yeah. or awe yeah. that's associated with being sent a message. Someone is sending me a message. You can just imagine that that phenomenon in a dream is sort of leading to this exploratory and curious feeling of like, what does it mean? What is the message? Yeah, And that kind of openness is good. I think, mm-hmm. to be appearing to her in this dream. Yes. Um, and it sounds like probably in waking life she is feeling open to receiving the message, but maybe she should be, she should be paying attention. Yes. Um, synchronicity, yes. perhaps. What patterns are emerging that seem meaningful? Are there any mm-hmm. coincidences that you're, you're focusing on? Where it's like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. The unconscious might be speaking to you, might mm. be trying to show you something, yes. and you need to listen. Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Contact us through a submission form, which can be found at our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.